Welcome to another episode of ATA Presents, the Marvelverse Podcast. I am your host, Wes Kim, and alongside me is the artist formerly known as Cookie Monster, a.k.a. <laughs> James Hateful. How's it going, James? I'm good, Lou, and thank you for getting my name right. <laughs> well, I don't know many Hatefuls, and I don't know many James, so, you know. It's like, it's like, when, I, it's like when I was 18, I was thinking of changing my name to Eric, and then one of my friends smartened me up. It's like, why wouldn't you, why would you change your name? Everybody knows who they're talking about once they see your first name. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, it's true. So, I want to start off by saying I want to give a shout out to our podcast brother, Steve Nostro, who's like, is sitting at home. He went through some health issues recently. Please send good vibes and and or prayers to Steve Nostro. Thinking about you, buddy. Yeah, hopefully you're, hopefully you're feeling better. Yeah. And also, uh, a little pro- a little programming notes. Agents of Shield will be ba- be back next week. We're going. Well, I'll I'll be talking about the promo clip that was released late late this week. But before we get there, uh, is- when you say next week, by the way, do you mean like this coming Tuesday or the Tuesday after that? Oh, good, Just for clarification. Oh, good point. This coming Tuesday. Yes, we usually record on a Sunday. So yes, so Agents of Shield will be back this coming Tuesday. Thank you, James, for that. But- Tuesday, April fourth, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. yes. Which is also free cone day at Ben and Jerry's. We're not getting a promotional consideration from them, but if you're near Ben and Jerry's scoop scoop shop, get so go get some free ice cream. <laughs> yes. Um. Since I have James here, and um, he's and it's been a few weeks. What are your thoughts on Iron Fist? Sir? I'm gonna give you. The I actually, I actually like really love it. Like, I mean, it's definitely not it's definitely not the best Marvel Netflix show, but I think it's in a lot of ways. I feel like it's a lot smarter than people think it is and I feel like it all a lot of what was done in the show that people don't like was actually intentional because it really creates this atmosphere around the show and around Danny that not, you have no idea what's going on and neither does Danny so it's like you're kind of in his shoes a lot of the time you're just like wait what the fuck's going on yeah <laughs> so, once I, again language James you're a werewolf not a swearwolf <laughs> oh come on I'll yeah. just pay pops a jar then yeah Doink. yeah yeah oh <laughs> but, and by the way speaking of that I may a little bit of an error on my last show. Um, Hunt for the Wilder People is not on Amazon Prime. It is only on Hulu. And, and um, what we do in the shadows is only on Amazon Amazon Prime. So for those of you that are wanting to watch some of Taika Waititi's work before Thor Ragnarok, please do. But go on. Go on. Yeah. Um, I do th- I actually enjoyed a lot of the show. 
I don't, there wasn't really anything that was like, um, like really took me out of it, I guess. Like it was a little, I actually enjoyed the slow pacing of it and the lack of action because it really set me, showed me that this, like it really shows everyone that this is not the show, this isn't Daredevil because I feel like Iron Fist and Daredevil would turn out really, really very similar if they tried to do action every single episode. And, um, I was actually a little bit worried about that before the show premiered. And, um, yeah, I just really enjoy how it like kind of blends like so many different styles. And I will say the people who don't particularly like the first episode or whatever, like if once you get to episode six, it starts to turn into more of what you would consider like a generic Netflix show from Marvel. But I actually appreciate that the first five episodes are very, um, different in that regard. Well, let's talk about episode six because I know in our Facebook group chat that we have with the host that you really like episode six. Partly because it was directed by one of the founding Rizzo. members of the Wu Tang Clan, Riza. What did you think about that? Episode? I don't think he, I don't think he's a founding member. I think he's just the current leading member. But I'm not sure. I don't know much about that Wu Tang Clan. Uh, so I'm, I I'm pretty sure he's a founding member. But a lot of the Wu Tang Clan guys are big Marvel fans. But what did you think about? Yeah, episode I'm sure. Six? I actually just liked Episode Six because it really kind of crystallized a lot of what, like before Episode Six, you were with neither you nor Danny really knew what Danny was there for and like what his whole purpose point was in the end of all this and like in episode six like he really is literally faced forced to confront these questions and i like how the uh assassins kind of represented like all of danny's um big fears in a lot of ways well, and uh i like that he was able to triumph over them but yet he still was not able to lose because he still has so much left to learn which is very metaphorically resonant well steve and i talked about it on our podcast about two episodes ago i like how it was very much bruce lee game of death style from yeah that I mean, that's what I think. That's probably what the Rizzo was going for with that. Well, I sure. mean, if if he wasn't going for that, he did he did a pretty bad job of trying not having it not look like that. But I th <laughs> but here's my thing. Now watching the episodes back and having hearing other people's opinions, I have to give it up to my my buddy Sean Gerber over at Superhero News. Check out his YouTube channel, Superhero News, with Mark Hughes. He said something about Iron Fist recently on his Marvel podcast. He said if Iron Fist would have come out before any of the other Defenders, would it still be getting a lot of the negative flack that it did? I, that's a good question. I wonder. I feel like I don't think it would have. I don't think it no, would have. Yeah, I I, just, I agree. I think it like I think one of its problems was that it was kind of like trying to still tell stories about the hand without like rehashing all the stuff that Daredevil season two already did. Yeah. And um, I think the uh thing about it is like um uh also I think it just kind of like got gets into the like really I think the show actually addresses the whole point that Danny Rand's narrative is like one of uh kind of colonialism in a way like it's a very colonialist narrative of a white person coming in and taking all the credit for Asian people's work because like Davos, Davos like, addresses that is basically the embodiment of that like whole thing if you watch the show and um, uh, I mean he's obviously not wrong and Danny realizes that he's not wrong either because he realizes he has no fucking idea what he's doing well I say this but he has no idea what he's doing so he realizes he's not the person who should have had this power but now he's stuck with it so he's like well I guess I gotta do something guess I gotta use it now and not to, so, repeat, and not to repeat anything I've already said but here's something that I've heard from different reviews as I hear marbles falling on James's desk apparently um 
Um, I, I completely agree with Jim David over at IGN. We don't need 13 episodes for every season. I'm sorry, we, d we don't. And I think that was another problem of it too. If they had cut this down to 8 episodes, I don't think people would have really complained as much. Because there are a lot of side stories that really don't, kind of like Jessica Jones, there's a lot of side stories that quite frankly just do not need to be there. Well, Jessica Jones, I think it works because I feel like, um, uh, Nuke, for example, is like one of those stories that I feel like I feel like it's gonna tie direct pretty well with the Punisher, I think. Like I feel like the Punisher is probably gonna have some history with um that character at some point. Eh, but, and but like I mean, and I have to I have to confess this is all just my personal taste. It really just didn't grab me. Like the thing with Jessica Jones and I don't want to spend too much time talking about this, I was invested in Kilgrave and Jessica and I think that's the only thing that I need to invest in. And I think if you went with side plots a lot, with the cage of work because you actually develop a lot of side characters early on so it's easier to follow but then but with a, a show like Jessica Jones which is very like you know centered around her conflict with this one purple demon guy it, it just didn't grab well, me he's not literally purple but <laughs> but well you well there is a lot of purple around him I'm just saying I'm just saying yes he's Ivan who's in a you know a silk shirt <laughs> but you see what I mean yeah but like, then again I feel like that also gives them a lot of room to like um just keep keep build this world because it really is a world it feels like a world to me and it um it's not really to me it's not it doesn't feel like this has any larger relevance if there's not outside people being brought in and like um this is like affecting more than just one character yeah. does that make sense yeah it does so, it does but i but the other thing i fall iron fist on and, the, and again these are very minimal things for me there wasn't enough emphasis on the fact that Danny Rand is the main character. Well, I mean, I think that's also the point, too, is that, like, Danny's whole destiny feels is feeling like he's not in control of his life, and the fact that all these characters are getting all this time is because, like, Danny is not the person in control of the situation, and he has no real ability to get in control of the situation, which is, again, why I think the show is so brilliant, is because it's showing that he is... It's, it's, by not focusing on him as much, it, like, shows that he's floundering in this world and he doesn't know what to do. But so but but, th but then again like but then again like my buddy said I I'm really interested to see what would have happened if this was the if this was the season that started off the Defenders I understand Daredevil was the best known of all four of the Defenders and of course you go there but I really have to wonder what would have happened if even if like Iron Fist came before Jessica Jones would it gotten would it have gotten the same kind of flack that it did. I don't think it would have, personally. I mean, it I guess it's like, it depends on like how... I mean, I guess his story is kind of the one that's most closely connected with the hand, but then again, having it be the last one kind of makes sense because his, the conflict that he has is kind of the one that, like, is really the one that crystallizes the defenders because, um, Danny obviously realizes that without Kunlun as, like, a potential backup against the hand, like, whatever they're going to do at the end of all this is going to be much easier for them. Yeah. And also, so, I mean, um, and also it kind of forces Danny to have to search for backup. So, I mean, in a way, like, from what I gather, he's going to be the one that 
it actually forms the defenders where, and Jessica and, um, Luke are going to be the ones that, or Jessica and, uh, Matt are going to be the ones that lead it. But it's just, um, I really want to see the defenders just to see, like, how they make this, uh, whole thing work. Because I feel like, obviously, the defenders are not going to, like, want to just join Danny on this errand that only is relevant to him. Like, there has to be something else that the hand is planning. And obviously, Daredevil season two gets at that, but still. Well, hence the thing that we got from the San Diego Comic Con trailer last year with Stick saying in a voiceover, you think you four can save New York? You can't even save yourself. I mean, you got Danny, at least of all, obviously, like, it's, like I said, Danny is the one who has the least control over his own destiny. He's been in this game, like, not long at all. So he's obviously a fish out of water. And I'm really interested to see actually how his relationship with Luke develops because I really, I really want to see, um, uh, how, um, have, like what how their dynamic works yeah because because so. like the characters i mean danny rand is still danny rand in the show but i think finn jones bring brings to it um a, a level of like innocence and childlikeness that either you love or you hate i and i also agree with my buddy on this on this statement if there was ever, ever a need to put somebody in a costume to like to hide the fact that the, the actor isn't actually doing the, his own stunts that actually would work very well for ice i think well i mean i feel i didn't ever notice anything that seemed like it wasn't finn jones it didn't ever stand out to me that it wasn't finn jones doing a stunt like it always to me it almost looked like he was actually doing his own stunts but but i think it might have been better if he had a costume to have like someone else do the fight cho- fight choreography and him and just like stand in later but again that's that's just for personal taste one more thing before we get off this. I, I have to get your opinion on this. The whole Colleen Wing thing. And again, this is spoilers. Spoilers for anybody. The characterization of Colleen Wing, Wing or as I like to call her on the last show, Colleen Hot Wing. <laughs> Absol- um, absolutely brilliant. Abso- yeah, I think abso- it, absolutely brilliant to me. It just goes to show you, like, I think it's another th- theme of the, show, of the show that I really enjoy is that it's, um, uh, like, um, I feel like one of the big big uh, themes of the show is that uh, nothing is ever black and white, and Danny and a lot of other characters really realize that, and um, especially Colleen. Like Colleen realizes that very like um, very dramatically. I guess is a good way to say it. Yeah. And um, and just like. I really enjoy that um, the show kind of addressed this topic in a way that it feels kind of relevant to our times of like um, you have to li- you have to actually listen to each other in order to like get shit done. So um, I, I enjoy that Danny like that like and also that Harold Meacham like to Danny for the entire season felt like he was uh, a good felt like a, a good guy, but then we knew and then Danny found out at the end that he wasn't. And I also like that Ward and Jay- Joy kind of like switched um, that like what their motivations were in a way like as the court as the season went on they kind of switched where they were going and what they wanted to do and i thought and just like i love that this was also well thought out and i love that it, it was bold enough to go with this un, sort of unpopular and very um uh unusual sort of structure in order to get to that end yeah and also credit to tom pelfrey for being an amazing actor for, as ward because like i'm pretty sure he stole the show for a lot of people yeah and um he reminded me this performance especially reminded me a lot of humphrey bogart way back in the day and and really um thought that was really refreshing yeah so. I, I, lo- I love the character characterization of Colleen Wing. I love the characterization of both Joy and and um Ward Meacham. I I I I didn't see any problems with the Meachams and I've discussed why 
and I really find it really interesting, much like, um, Carl Mordo, well, well, both Davos and, um, Joy Mijin kind of characterize Carl Mordo in this series. Uh, yeah, that's Joy, actually a good point now I think about it. At least Joy, Davos especially. Joy maybe not so much, but Davos, yes. Well, sure. I find it really interesting that the one person that's very positive toward Danny through this entire series, that, that by the end of it, it's like, she, she comes to the realization, if he never came back, my life wouldn't have changed at all. Now my life yeah. is basically destroyed because of this guy. And true, and of course, yes, Davos is very much like Carl Mordo, but hey, look at it this way. At least it's Marvel ripping off itself. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, it's a very, like, it's a very common theme in mythology everywhere. And it's, um, like I said, Davos represents in a lot of ways, he represents the, um, very, like, very valid argument that Danny Rand is not the kind of person who should have this power. Yeah. Cause he has no right to it. And, and Danny's um, not even sure why he's got it. Like that's ne- that's never that's never even answered in this first season. And I hope we get it answered in the second season because what was it? They never they never really explain why whatever chooses the Iron Fist chose Danny. Yeah, and um, I think that's uh, I mean we kind of get a little bit of an answer when Danny has that flashback at the very very end where he like remembers the eyes of Shao Lao the Undying as um uh as that antenna and I feel like um uh that and I feel like like that's tied into it but I feel like yeah Danny's story is definitely far from being fully told and I um appreciate that they're um like holding back on that because I feel like Danny himself is also trying to figure that out like he he was there and he knows like how it went down but he doesn't know why and it's the show is like really taking place inside his head and I think it's um doing a good job of like letting Danny's character unfold kind of naturally so and truthfully I I have a lot of empathy towards Danny Rand because yeah. like and maybe it's like and maybe it's a guy thing and I, I don't know if it is or not I'm just speaking from my experience the idea that like the idea that you can't really control your emotions that everybody doesn't really have faith in you that's very much like in very much like a guy thing and especially when you're raised by all guys like that's a very much a guy thing but I really I really like the idea that that yeah. by that the excuse me that we find out by the end of the season why Colleen and Danny will never be and why most likely Danny will fall in love with this season. Yeah, and I was actually kind of sad that they didn't introduce that they didn't introduce them in this season, but I, I'm not, I'm pretty sure they're gonna get to, they're gonna like at least meet in the Defenders. Well, well, and so. well, and it's kind of like the Buffy Angel thing from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Colleen and Danny love each other, but it just can't work because of who they. They are. Yeah. And you can you can still be friends, but it can never be. And I love and she wasn't used to her best potential, like in this season. But I really like Claire Temple in this series. Yeah. I, I think she like definitely. I think Claire actually definitely found her niche with um uh, Danny and Colleen because I feel like she kind of makes this trifecta prevents this trifecta from exploding because um Danny's a little bit impetuous and Colleen is a little bit uh vengeful and um together. They don't make a good pair, but Claire, but Claire kind of like holds them both back and just like guys, heads straight on. <laughs> yeah. And they actually like, and she was very refreshing to me, honestly. Like she's a kind of she's like the one character that you that you know you can root for in this show. And like the other ones, even Danny, like you can't really, you kind of don't get behind Danny really right away for a lot of the season because. And I think that's a um, big issue of this season for a lot of people. He's not the yeah, easiest. He's not the easiest character, main character to get behind, rather than Luke Cage. And 
Matt right. Murdock and Jessica Jones. It's very. But I think that's. I think that makes him a good character, though, because and it's all especially a rich one to, for Finn Jones to play because you're like you, he's not black and white. He's not clean cut, and you have to. He has to learn a lot of stuff about himself and about how he handles the world because, like, when he starts out, he's a privileged little douchebag, and um, well, and he start- he's a privileged little douchebag that doesn't know any better. He's not right, doing exactly. It. That's the point. That's, doing, which is why. Yeah, he's not doing it on purpose. Like the reason why he just walks up to um, the Rain Corporation is in his own naivete. Yeah, his mom and dad are gone, but he doesn't figure that so much has changed in just like 10, 15 years or whatever. It was 10 years. Actually, no, it was 15. It was 15. Sorry, my yeah, bad. Yeah. He was 10 when he went there, but it was 15 years in Kunlun. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, I, I just figured. But, but, and I think, and I think, um, I'm sorry to be blunt here, but I'm going to be. I missed the memo or the email that said that in all fiction, you have to have a main character that everybody has to like and get on board with from moment one. Where was this email? Yeah. I, I mean, that's the, that's the uh, same thing that pe- that's the same people have the same criticism about the Catcher in the Rye, but the Catcher in the Rye is a classic, and it's not. And Holden Caulfield is not a um, not a good person. So I'm sorry. Man, I'm sorry. Vic Mackey is not the easiest person from the Shield, the TV show, to get to get on board with. No, nor nor is nor is um Don Draper. Right. Like, and, uh, I, and I know they're different shows, but I'm I hate it when reviewers say, "Oh, this main character is not the easiest one to get on board with." Where was the email that said that they, well, that has to be that think, way for creative writing? I think the difference is that, like, in those other shows, I'm not sure about Don Draper because I've never seen Mad Men, but like, for example, Breaking Bad, um, people can get behind Walt because he supposedly has like, well, for the for at least at the beginning, he has this uh um he's doing this for his family, but you start to slowly see him descend into uh doing it for himself yeah and uh with danny he starts out mostly doing it for himself but then you start to see him turn around and start to realize this is bigger than me yeah and yeah one last thing one last thing before we get to the news i think this season all but confirms that the hand will be the big bad in the defenders well well, no well no because i i knew that when we saw the promo like poster of the title card defenders and then we see an outline of hand in the back but it yeah. wasn't 100% confirmed until we got it to Iron Fist. I knew it was a good possibility that it was going to be this. But, you know, it's glad to see that confirmed. And it's also, like, glad to, I'm glad to see, and this kind of relates to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that there are many different, like, subdivisions within the hand, like, like in Hydra. Yeah, I mean, um, it's obvious that the hand is also not uh, fully, like, um, it doesn't even... Uh, um, I'm trying to think of a word. I'm trying to think of how to express this. It doesn't it's not, even it's like, not, necessarily agree with itself. Let's yeah, put it that way. Yeah, it's not. And that, well, we kind of saw that in like season three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You have the more mystical side of Hydra, and then you have your more militaristic side of Hydra. Exactly. And I'm um, really interested to see like if Bakudo comes back, like what his, uh, where he's going to go. Because, um, and did anyone, I mean, I know this. it's the same like set in the same location, but uh, the fight between Colleen and Bakudo felt very John Wick to me, <laughs> but even because, but that's it's because it's in the same exact location as a scene in John Wick. But well, her name is Jessica. 
hand wick, so maybe, <laughs> so that's Colleen's, the actress's real name, so maybe there's some connections there. Remember, <laughs> it's all connected. And, but, and, and one, one last thing, I'm really glad that they kind of, they're redeeming Jerry Hogarth. She's still a despicable yeah. person, but I like, um, Jerry Hogarth yeah. and Iron Fist. I was actually like really thrown off to see her like actually being warm to someone. I was like, wait, this is not right. <laughs> well, well, but, I've, I've found out with even like the coldest of people, like they still owe it, owe it all a lot to the person that gave them their first break. And that's right. why she has affection towards Danny. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't excuse at all what Jerry Horgert did in Just Jones. Not at all. No, but it's, it's like, it definitely shows that she's a complex character, which I think is much appreciated. And, good, um, <laughs> good, on, good, good on you, Jay Money. You did see a good, um, you did see a little bit of a hint of like the person she is in Jessica Jones when she was, uh, talking to, when Claire came up to her. Like, <laughs> you were like, five dollars will buy you exactly ten seconds of my time. Like, that's class, that's like the very Jessica Jones. Well, that's, well, that's also very, very New York, too. I have a <laughs> lot of, no, you, you'd be surprised of how blunt and up, like, upfront people are in New York City. Like, I, I remember John Lennon saying once to his new drummer, like, for his new band, he says, the first thing he says to his new drummer is this, they tell me you're good, just don't play too many notes. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's how people converse in New York. And I know a lot of people are, like, kind of taken aback by that, but I actually like that. But moving on to the news, we're not going to talk a lot about the Ant-Man news because uh, I wanted to get Nikki's opinion on the, these subjects, but I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some Infinity War photos. Apparently, it's all but confirmed that we will see the Black Order in Infinity War. Yeah, which not, is cool. <laughs> yes, and I, I don't have time to go through the entire Black Order, but I, 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 I'm glad we're going to see um, Corvus Glaive in Black Dwarf. Yeah. And, um, I'm just interested to see, like, where, like, uh, what their role is, because, I mean, we had this all set up to be just Thanos by himself being the main villain, but now we have this whole or <coughs> order that they have, that has to go on. I'm going to be interested to see, like, where they, uh, um, take the, like, what they do with the Black Order in the Infinity War movie. I hope, so. th- I hope Thanos is not just one and done in this Well, Avengers probably not. Movie. I don't, uh, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I, like, you don't build this guy up for, like, what is it, been, like, six years at least? It just do and just do one and one and done with just this one movie but i'm really looking forward to it um uh, this we're gonna do it like this we're gonna tie these two things together um first of all let's talk about the spider-man homecoming trailer um what are your thoughts about it and i'll back me up i would have uh liked to have a little bit less of the uh fairy scene i feel like that kind of gave a little bit too much away but um i feel i still feel like the movie still has a lot left to tell i just feel like it would have been a lot um better if we didn't necessarily know that that was when that was that moment that caused him to lose his spider suit like his good like his like tony stark really professional spider suit yeah um, the spider suit mark ii yeah so i feel like it would have um, been a little bit nicer if we didn't know that no it was that moment in particular going into the movie but I still want to see like what the vulture's motivation is and um, what his overall plan is because it seems like it's quite uh, dastardly <laughs> to use just a very st- uh, simple word but and they also want to know exactly how Peter ends up in Washington DC like that's an interesting um, point but um, generally I'm still like, as excited about the movie as I was before and I'm just like ready to see where this uh, thing goes <laughs> um, I I, um, first of all, I want to talk about, like, um, the fact that, air quotes, it gave too much away. 
Um, I well, first of all, I think it has to do a lot with the fact that Sony is the distributor. It, it handles a lot of the marketing, not Marvel, because Marvel generally doesn't show this much in their movies. Like Marvel Studios, right. they they generally don't show show that much. And even when if they, when they do, I I go back to Iron Man three and everybody's saying like that show too much. Like that was only like a what we saw in that first Iron Man trailer was just a minuscule little like sesame seed size of what we were actually going to see in the actual movie. Say what you want about the movie itself, but the trailer didn't show that much. But I and I need to say this about um Spider-Man in the MCU and I know James this shocks you and and I and understandably so a lot of people don't know that this Spider-Man is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like the general well, audiences. Yeah, I guess I'm like having more Tony Stark there probably confirms that to them yeah and uh, and and you you've mentioned this on the show before and i'm gonna quote you on this you talk about spider-man teak yeah Yeah. i think um well what what you're gonna say you got a quote actually from me well yeah you were talking about uh, you were talking about like basically about the spider-man fatigue and you're not really interested you know like you're not well you didn't say that you said you're going disinterested with the character of spider-man this this trailer was done in such a way to get people that weren't interested in spider-man anymore because i didn't realize this until somebody like mentioned to me i think it was mark hughes from superhero news that said this is like the sixth spider-man movie in 15 years and the third yeah so you need to yeah. show in this trailer why should we care about Spider-Man? Why is this Spider-Man going to be different to general audiences that don't know anything about contract and distribution rights and what character what character should be used? I think it kind of it's possible that it's possible though that they could that this doesn't really change anything for them either because they're like oh well great now they have Iron Man what's who whatever I don't I feel like there's not a lot of um I feel like even still people are still feeling even if they don't know all about that people are still feeling the Spider. Man fatigue. Yes, and I, and I totally agree about that. And I also hear what people are saying about the fact that you know there may be a little bit too much Tony Stark. I don't know when we'll see the movie, but I'll, I'll say this: y'all are still gonna go to the cinema. You people that are complaining, and you, you're still gonna go to the cinema to see this film because you like Tony Stark. <laughs> well, no, well, no, because you lo- because people love going to Marvel movies because well, Marvel, still, yeah. Marvel movies are fun. But I'm, I'm just really interested by the people that complain about showing too much but you still go to see the movie it's like you're, right. it's like you're not not going to see the movies so what difference does it make and and I'll put this one out here because it's the most relevant to this um with B- Batman vs Superman it's called it's called Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice not Batman vs Superman Doomsday when they showed Doomsday in the trailer that was giving away too much yeah because like like Doomsday was ne- Doomsday was never advertised in Batman vs Superman before that trailer came out we knew Tony Stark was going to be in this from the first Spider-Man Homecoming trailer we got a couple months ago Right. so it's not really giving away too much I understand about the very thing but also too like I th- again I think it 
so, and I'm not knocking Sony for this. I think that's Sony's deal because they do that in a lot of the, a lot of their trips. Yeah, I mean they did it with Life, and that, and um, people are suspecting that's apparently a secret Venom prequel. I don't know how. But yeah, like yeah, and we'll and that. we'll get to that in just a sec. But I really liked um, that they're using Captain America as um. As oh yeah, the the um. Health and the, fitness propaganda. Yes, <laughs> that was hilarious. I actually I wonder when they would have gotten Captain America in the um thing to actually do that because yeah. like and uh, continuity he's wearing the 2012 version of um his Captain America suit like he's yeah. wearing the suit that he would have worn in the Avengers I I love Peter just like like cannonballing that pole party probably because he wasn't invited well I feel like that was just a mistake because I feel like he um was swinging but like he couldn't get a high enough hold so he just ended up accidentally and, swooping in but and, and I could be wrong but remember that great scene in Ant-Man in, in Ant-Man when Yellow Jacket and Ant-Man are fighting and they land in that pool? I'm 90% yeah. sure that's the same house. <laughs> well, I mean, I think they did shoot in Atlanta, so... Yeah, but but wouldn't it be great if, yet again, that's the poor family that <laughs> they have some, like, super incident, like, having, like, five feet away from them? Um, well, they, yeah, they must have moved across the country, because, like, uh, Ant-Man took place in San Francisco, so... Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Please, for, please forgive me, then. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I mean, they, they could have moved. It's possible. I, 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 said, I said corrected. I, I loved... Probably my favorite comedic thing in the whole thing was, um... I would keep wanting to call him Genki because that's what he looks like to me, Genki Lee. I think they've combined Ned Leeds and Genki Lee. Um, Genki Lee is Miles Morales' best friend, by the way. For those who don't know, I like him when he puts on the Spider-Man mask and he's like, da da. I feel like that was just. I wish that's another thing I kind of wish they hadn't shown because I was like, well, uh, out of context, it feels like, well, that's going that's going a little too far, don't you think? Yeah, but I think. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, I watch a lot of YouTube reactions, and that's the one of the one of the things that gets the biggest reaction from reactors. I also love that he says, "You're the Spider-Man from YouTube." <laughs> from YouTube, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I I I, I, lo I love that. But I but I wanted to talk about this line because this line has gotten a lot of controversy after the ferry incident. And by the way, I'm I'm I was really happy to see the ultimate version of Iron Man's suit in in this movie with the kind of like like the silver and gray on the bottom half of the suit very much a shout out to tony stark's ultimate um iron man costume i loved i understood what tony meant when he said when peter says i'm nothing without this i'm nothing without the suit if you're nothing without the suit then you don't deserve it a lot of people yeah that's a lot of people were taken aback by that but but having a lot of older mentor figures i understood what that meant yeah i understand what it means too like daredevil i think got the same thing from stick probably at some point or at least the same idea because yeah. um like that's when that's when stick walked out kind of like with that whole thing is like if you don't if you're and it's also i think i hope they connect that somehow to ben to uncle ben because um if they uh do show a flashback of like uncle ben dying or whatever and like the great which power I, great responsibility thing like which I, feel I hope like, they, which I hope they don't do well i mean just like a flash like like a quick flashback they don't have to like go through the entire scene obviously but like maybe have or have peter like say that tell the story and then yeah, have him tell the story. I don't. I don't need. I don't need to see Uncle Ben die, version three again. I just don't need to see that. Yeah, but nonetheless, like basically, I just hope that they connect that because um, uh, that's basically the same thing except told a little bit more harshly. So yeah, and I understand what Tony meant 
because he he ironically enough learned that from Captain America in the MCU when he says, "What are you without the suit?" And sometimes you can't cut the wire. Ironically enough, he learned that from Captain America, and it's it's like it's like, when Tony's saying to him, "Can't you just be a regular neighbor, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man?" Which, by the way, I love that he's the one that came up with that in in this universe. Um, it's because he likes him. He, yeah. He's never gonna. He's never gonna say, "Peter, kid, I like you a lot. You mean a lot to me." Like, like much like Howard, Tony is never yeah. going, never going to say to Peter that he likes him. But he also doesn't want to see him get hurt because, again, we saw this in Age of Ultron. We saw this in Iron Man three. We saw this in um, Captain America: Civil War. Tony has a lot of guilt for the for the people he's inadvertently killed, and he d- yeah. and he doesn't want this like innocent kid to end up basically more or less like more or less like he did with all this guilt because he's right if all those people died on that ferry like that would have haunted peter for the rest of his life and he doesn't want that well then again here's the other here's the other thing that makes me laugh about that though if you thought that you shouldn't have taken him to leipzig and had him fight the everyone else and possibly kill someone that way you know yeah well <laughs> but uh, well, I that's think... just me i'm not salty or anything else about that well, how that was treated in civil war you know well, well now if you were if you remember, if you remember that, but but if you remember that scene in Civil War, what did Tony say to him when Peter says, "Mr. Stark, what should I do?" What well, we talked about, keep your distance, blah blah blah. He didn't say fight. He just said keep your distance. Nonetheless, nonetheless, it's still. It's I, still under, I understand what you mean, though. But I'm just saying, in that context, in that context, I'm just saying, he didn't say fight. He said just keep your distance and blah blah blah. But you're right. Like, and again, this is one of the things, and I love Tony Stark. I love Robert Downey Jr.'s characterization of Tony, but I think, uh, but I think it's one of those situations where Tony, you're, st- you're kind, of, well, not kind of, you are a hypocrite, and you, you can't have your cake and eat it too, and you can't like give the this kid have answers because he really looks up to you. Yeah, and you also can't like give him the suit and tell him he can't use it because you don't want him to like. Um, and also you can't tell him like yeah I can give, do all this stuff for you and then just like pull the rug out from under his feet like that's just it's not going to get you any results dude you're just going to make him worse <laughs> and and that's why so. I fi- and that's why I find it ironic that Howard more or less did the exact same thing to Tony when Tony well, I mean, was it the- just goes it just goes to show you that history repeats itself yeah like. and and if and if Peggy Carter was still alive and still mobile she'd probably slap Tony after that conversation with Peter well probably like slap him even before that for even considering the idea of bringing uh, Peter into this. Or or creating Ultron. And I have to wonder, actually, like, it makes me wonder about what uh, Peggy's relationship with with Tony was at any point, because I feel like she would have um, cared about him if uh, Howard had died and she was actually still, like, she seemed like she was still pretty uh, um, in control of her mental faculties and everything else and the being of Ant-Man when Howard looked like he was just about at the point where he was going to get killed soon. See, see, if Agent Carter had continued Here's here's the two things I would have liked is would have liked more than anything, How, like Howard. How well actually three things: Howard meeting Maria Stark, um, the birth of Tony and Peggy, kind of looking after him, kind of babysitting him, and and the reveal that Angie Angie's like new last name is actually Murdoch because she because <laughs> to me that the actress who plays Angie she looks a lot like Charlie Cox who plays Daredevil to me. That's actually that, that's actually not a 
Well, I mean, she would probably have to be Matt's grandmother yeah, or something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that, would, yeah, the, her, that would be inter- that'd be very interesting though. Yeah, when I think about it. Yeah, I would. I actually wanted to write a deleted scene in Civil War where, like, like um, or like in um, not Civil War, um, Winter Soldier, where Matt Murdock's out outside in the lobby asking where his where his Aunt Peggy is. He's brought flowers. Well, Peggy or Angie? You probably mean Angie, right? Well, no, he would call. He would call her. Um, where where is um Peggy Carter's Peggy Carter's room? Just tell her. Just tell her like little Maddie's here. Aw, <laughs> that's actually kind of adorable. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and they're and they're they and they're dare, then Daredevil and Captain America cross paths. But anyway, I'd, I again, it's really sad to me, and maybe it's because of my relationship with my own father. How unaware Tony is of how he's treating like the people closest to him. Like that's what I love so much about the character of Tony Stark anywhere the lessons he learns he kind of learns learns them and he kind of does it yeah because Peter because Peter looks up I mean Peter looks up to both Cap and Tony but for right now he looks up to Tony very much and the fact that Tony is basically saying you know you screwed up I want my tech back you know just 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 lay low but of course and this is probably why the vultures around to begin with anyways yeah like it's I, and I think that's the something that um, Marvel Comics itself is actually enter, um, uh, introducing as well as the uh, in Occupy Avengers is like these conflicts that go kind of get kind of brushed off by the main Avengers because they're not um, uh, they don't really like have the time and they also don't think it's big enough but it still affects people's lives and the Netflix shows are doing that and then also um, uh, Occupy Avengers in actual Marvel in like the physical Marvel comics is doing that too and taking conflicts that are in the uh, um, in the streets basically to uh, the forefront and, and I, I, really, I think that's I think that's great about that's what's great about Spider-Man Homecoming right now from what I'm seeing is that's a conflict that's really not maybe necessarily world changing but definitely changing for the for uh, the people of New York and for Peter so and I think one thing that is and along with that it's not a- a- absolutely street level but I love the idea of Zemo in that context as well from Captain America so far like, yeah. like uh, people complained of, uh, some people complained about Zemo being kind of one note but I but the way Daniel Paul plays him it's like you guys don't care my family's dead because of you and you're not even going to get punished for it my life's goal is to make sure that you never come back again. right and, and um yeah and and I just love and, and this is why I think and and um well I'm not going to talk about this much i'm going to let michael and nico talk about more of this on the on their podcast because of the news of just whedon getting to produce right and direct and a new batgirl a batgirl live action movie for the dceu but i think what's great about this from a geek standpoint is that we're finally going to see some division or some differences in live action between between Marvel and DC because Joss Whedon obviously did both so it's it's gonna be kind of cool in that aspect yeah and um uh, going back to his homecoming real quick, I, the picture that came out of uh, Michael Keaton in his uh, big vulture costume, I love it because it's it's a bi- it's definitely a big throwback to the um, original vulture costume with the big like furry collar. Yeah, but, but it's also, thank God, thank it, makes, God, it also makes sense. But thank God today. it's not bald guy, old bald guy in green leotard with feather I mean, wings. Yeah, I mean I'm pretty sure that coat is not. I mean we know that coat is not part of his actual costume. It's just like something he wears around in his street clothes. But I just appreciate that they. 
use the big furry collar. Yeah. And um, I do think it would be cool though if they had Michael Keaton actually shave his head. Like that would be that would be interesting to to see. Well, and not a knock on Michael Keaton, but I don't think you have to do much shaving, honestly, for that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I I've joked on other podcasts and with my friends if they are going to go forward with that Beetlejuice re- reboot or that sequel, they're not gonna have to do a lot of makeup enhancement this time around. <laughs> but but talking about Michael Keaton and I also love that we saw a little bit of the shocker in this trailer. I love how just like just basic his wants are like he's been like th- tossed to the uh, tossed to the side tossed to the side or devalued in his in his own opinion by Tony Stark and now he's gonna going was it by Tony Stark specifically or was it by um just like uh the uh, upper class in general I feel like this is kind of like a class warfare story for uh, the Vulture in a lot of ways. I think it may be a little bit of both, quite honestly. I mean, like, I feel like he lumps Tony in with those kind of people, I think is the point. And I think, and since that there will be, uh, from what we've been told anyway, or like the negotiations have stopped, that there will not be a damage, damage plan TV series anymore. And damage control. Damage control, I'm sorry. Um, damage plan is the, the sequel band from Pantera. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, 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 I, I think with, and now that damage control won't be a TV TV series anymore, and the fact that it looks like that's the company that Adrian Toomes, aka the Vulture, seems to have headed up, I think that's where we're gonna go with, forward with this storyline. The like the group of people that cleaned up messes, which they kind of made light of in that great one shot from like um 2012 Avengers of taking old alien Chitauri tech from the incident and making it into their own weapons and their own technology because even in the comics adrian Toomes is actually very smart yeah i mean he's he built that vulture suit by himself so yeah, yeah he's obviously smart and obviously um, and, and we've we've seen a little bit of i i just noticed from the tech of the vulture that we saw a little chitari and we also saw a little bit of shield tech as well oh yeah probably a little bit of hammer tech too i'm sure yeah. um but what were you gonna say I'm, i would imagine it's possible that um uh um Oh, what was I gonna say? I want to see the Tinker at some point with uh, Spider-Man. I I, want, I wonder if he's gonna make a cameo in this movie because I feel like it'd be interesting to see if he um will show up because I feel like the Tinker is a character that would have, have a lot of value story-wise. And um, I think uh, yeah, I just think the Tinker would be a very interesting character. So because as it looks now, because we've got Shocker, we've got Vulture, we could essentially see uh, a new the Insidious or Sinister, depending on where you fall with that name six in this mcu franchise and that would yeah. be something great to see in in possibly an end credit scene for an avengers film or some obviously something to see in spider-man homecoming 2 i'm i i would i would think it would be a wasted moment if we did not see michael keaton and um robert Downey jr on screen together I think that would yeah be, they're probably i think that would be a totally missed opportunity i feel like tony's probably going to join the battle in the last the last battle at some point probably like to he realizes that this is actually like something that is necessary for him to step in and i feel like he might step in like but uh kind of stand off to the side or at least like let peter handle this a little bit so peter can um do his thing i guess i don't know i just but, feel like but my Tony favorite would thing probably... the, but my favorite thing in the trailer though is is um peter parker going to how i'm assuming that it's tony stark when he says i gotta do this on my own i i like that we i like that we see that after after yeah. he's taken 
taken away after Tony's taken away the Spider-Man suit Mark II. I because one of the big complaints from a lot of hardcore Spider-Man and traditional Spider-Man fans is that they don't like the fact that like Spider-Man is like Iron Man's sidekick in this MCU. Uh, so I I like that we actually see the moment where Peter says not in an aggressive way, mind you, but he says I got to do this on my own. I, yeah. I know you're trying and to protect uh, me, but I got to do this. Yeah, and I'm interested to see um uh. I also really want to see the high school aspect of this thing too. Like, it's, we've never really seen a lot of high school related stuff in Peter, in, um, Spider-Man movies previously, and I hope that this one actually has a good bit of it. I think we're gonna and see really, some of I it want to in, see where, in, like, the first 25 minutes, I think. And I really want to see where, like, um, the supporting characters and everyone else comes in, because they really hyped Zendaya up, and they really hyped, um, they've really hyped a lot of these people up, and they want to see, like, I want to, like, hopefully see them have some payoff. And they, and I also want to know where Donald Glover's character fits into this too. It's just gonna be really interesting. To yeah, because you know stories you, unfold. You don't cast Donald Glover, in my opinion, anyway. You don't yeah. cast somebody like Donald Glover and just have him like be a one note, like essentially what Bruce Campbell was in the same Raimi films. No disrespect well, I mean, to Bruce Campbell, but I'm just saying those were those were cameos. That's why they were there. They're yeah, I, that, and that's what I mean. I don't want Donald Glover just to be a cameo. I want him to be something. A lot more substantial. What did you think of the like the actual Spider-Man suit, not just the Mark II, but the um the homemade suit? Look, I'll I'll say this right off. Um, the the Spider-Man suit in these trailers, it does actually look like cloth and not and not just CG like we got in Captain America: Civil War. Yeah. Uh. Well, I mean, yeah, his the suit that. Yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. Um. I mean, like you can see the set photos where Tom Holland was actually wearing that suit, so you know. Um, I'm just, uh, I am grateful that they're doing, that they're doing their best to make this suit look realistic. And, um, I just want to, like, the original Spider-Man suit, I don't really like it much. It kind of looks kind of ugly to me, but I mean, that's kind of the point, too. It's not meant to be a good suit. So, um. You're talking about the, just, home, you're talking about the DIY the, suit, right? Yeah, the homemade one. Yeah. I just, um, I'm interested to see, like, uh, how, like, how well it survives, because it doesn't seem like it's gonna, it goes through, it seems like it's going through quite a lot of, which, uh, hell. Which, again, is something, <laughs> which, again, is something that we see a lot in Spider-Man comics, and I love the fact that Kevin Feige, who, by the way, uh, for our audience listening, go over to Malton on Movies, part of the Nerdist Network. Leonard Malton, the film historian, sits down with Kevin Feige, and he actually, he actually talks about uh, his love of his love of geekdom, and he actually referenced that uh, just before they did this interview, they're in the cutting room for um, Spider-Man: Homecoming, so they're almost completely done done with the film. I like the fact that Feige referenced though in this trailer that Spider-Man suit gets torn because that is a, 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 like a big story beat of Spider-Man. His tech yeah, gets his, ruined his, a lot. His, yeah, his suit never survives very long. Yeah, like even in um even in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, it happened a lot too. So yeah, and I like that because I mean it might be small little things, but it's one way to keep drama going. Like if Tony's like armored suits always n- worked and never got damaged, there isn't a lot of conflict there. Yeah, and the thing about us uh, like the suit for Spider-Man and really for any superhero like kind of represents like a shield in a way like it kind of like represents protection and then when the suit goes down you're like oh shit this is getting real speaking of shield I love that line from Peter do you know him too yeah I stole the shield <laughs> <laughs> I, I, love, I, love, 
I love, I love that. And I also love like, like some of the executive producers on Spider-Man Homecoming say that the Tony Stark Spidey suit actually has like laser tech, tech built into it. Hence the like spiders, the spider signal that comes from the web shooters. That's why, that's why Peter thinks he needs this tech. I, I really hope and I'm assuming that the awesome like splash page shot of Iron Man and Spider-Man zooming away together. I hope that's the last shot in the film. It's not going to be a deal maker for me, but or deal breaker for me. But I think that's most likely the case. I hope by the end of this film that Peter, with a little bit of Stark tech, because I like the fact that they're actually referencing the fact that Peter doesn't have the money to actually make a cool suit for himself, um, or at least like one that's as durable that that could as it could be. Yeah, I hope that we get Peter saying, "Um, yeah, I like your suit, but can I borrow some stuff and make my own suit?" Yeah, like that would be kind of cool. Yeah. honestly. Yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd really, I'd really like that to happen in this series. I, I like that. Um, what was it? I, I like that we're getting Spider-Man doubting himself, but not making it too angsty. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, um, like I really hope that Peter doesn't end up. Like I was worried about this when I saw Civil War. Like I really hope he doesn't uh, end up putting too much stock in Tony because uh, Tony's not the best role model, and he also shouldn't put his stock. In too many adults in general he needs to start putting stock in himself otherwise like he's gonna end up being used by people like danny was yeah. and um, yeah. iron vista kind of turn it back to like kind of like wrap it all around so i'm just uh um i really hope that like he starts to grow his own like um thought soon and i also so. and i think that's uh, gonna be something useful for john favreau to do quite frankly yeah since we've got him in this film it's like the happy hogan's gonna pull him aside to like yeah he tony's great but Make no mistake, make no mistake about it, kid. He's not perfect. He's yeah. far, I mean, he's far from it. I've known him, I've known him most of, I've known him most of my life. He's not, you know, a perfect person. And, and I would really like Cap to say this in Avengers Infinity War, like, I'm, I'm happy that you look up to me, but I'm not perfect either. No yeah. one is. And I really yeah. want, um, Peter Parker to call Black Widow Mama Spider, just because it's <laughs> funny. Or for Hulk to do his normal war thing, and Spider-Man just goes like this. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> <laughs> um, one, one other funny thing before we get to some Spider-Man related news. Um, I loved Ned Leeds saying, can you, can you, um, call up an army of spiders? It's like, no. And I want Peter to go, no, that's Ant-Man. <laughs> and, 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 and Ned Leeds just goes, who? I'll tell you later. Well, I mean, if you, it's, yeah, I guess and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how much the public actually knows in the, in this movie. It's well, yeah, gonna, because, because we, yeah, because we all know who, you know, these people are, but not a lot of people, not a lot of people know, even in this, like, larger level of the MCU. No pun intended. About it, man. Yeah. So I'm gonna be. This movie is kind of like gonna be like a movie to like barometer, like set a barometer, so that we as the audience know how much the uh, and the uh, people down on Earth in the MCU know about this stuff. So one thing. And also, that- their and also their attitudes about it too, because I I'm, in, I'm interested to see like um if there's like any students in the school, particularly who have like an anti superhero uh um 
thought process, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Uh, um, or like a J. Uh, Jones, or like the J. Jonah Jameson of this kind of universe. Like I want to see J. Jonah Jameson or, in some capacity. Or a quartz, or a quartz, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and also, uh, that's probably going to be where like Flash Thompson comes in in this universe. Cause I mean, uh, Tony, I can't remember his last name. The guy who's playing him, like he's Tony not Rebel- the Flash. T- Tony, Tony- Rebeloria, I think his name is. Yeah. He's, uh, um, he's not the kind of build of a guy who would, you would think would be Flash Thompson based on how he is in the comic book. So but I feel like he would. But here's, here's something really interesting and something that I never really thought of before, like before this just now. There are a couple of kids that I knew in high school that grew like significantly well within just two years. So maybe he's not a football star now, but he has the potential to become well, one later I mean, on. I don't know. I, and you probably know about this more being from Iowa. Like a lot of kids that you met when they were like 10, like they were really shrimpy. But, but, but by the time they got to like 17, 18, 19, like got to be like 6'3". Well, yeah, but Tony Revolori is done growing. So he's not going to like change very much over the course of these uh, things. So. Uh, who knows? Who knows? And they might not even go with like, again, the MCU like and we mentioned this a couple episodes ago is building their own canon so right. maybe they're maybe they're not going to specifically like tie themselves to specifically um yeah that version I mean, of Flash Thompson I mean I, I mean obviously Flash is going to be like uh Peter's nemesis but it's just going to be a question of in what way he's going to be Peter's nemesis yeah and it's no guarantee that Ned Leeds is going to necessarily be the hobgoblin in this, in this version well I think it'd be cool if it'd be cool if it was though yeah cuz I could not imagine that like no disrespect to this performer, but I don't I don't I do not see that guy becoming the hub. I'm just it's saying. possible. Well, yeah. I'm just saying. But but before but before we go before we go two things to what you were saying earlier about Tony Revolori, I and this is not a knock on Zendaya. I do not see her as either Gwen Stacy or MJ Watson at this point. Especially after we've seen her look her look in the trailers, like she's yeah. not going to be either one of them well, for sure. And, and, and that's why I and that's why I say about Tony Revolori. I'm op- I'm more open minded to the fact that to- like. He's, he may be playing Flash Thompson, but he, he may be playing a Flash Thompson that we've never seen. Same thing with right. MJ Watson or Gwen Stacy. I don't see Zendaya playing either. Uh, but here's the thing. I'm going to see this film to see Spider-Man. I don't yeah. really care very, very much about ships. But with that said, I cannot believe I'm still checking out uh, A. <laughs> that is something I never thought in a million years I would ever do. But I'm still checking out Aunt May. <laughs> I mean, hey, like, uh, um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head right now. Marissa uh, Tomei? Marissa Tomei. She's still a pretty good-looking lady for and her apparently age. apparently I've read some articles that she actually asked um, Feige yeah, she, and Louis Esposito yeah, to make her look her hair older. Yeah, 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 to make her nope. look a little older. But even, yeah, still, said, nope. but even still, like, even with gray hair, gray hair does not make you look young or old. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I think it would, like, with her, at least, I feel like it would bring out some of the... Um, like the like she, in certain lights she looks a little bit older so I mean I feel like her gray gray hair might change that a little bit but nonetheless I think she's um it makes more sense with the ages that they have like to have um like the age of Aunt May and Uncle Ben in the comic books was always a little bit weird because they're like really old people with this um nephew in high school so you know it's um well yeah well it's like the same thing from Superman 
the movie with um even though I love Superman the movie with Martha and Jonathan Kent, they look like they could be his grandparents by the time he gets to high school. Right, exactly. So yeah. um, But but uh, but also along those lines, um and you you know this probably more than some of our audience does, in in the ultimate version of 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 Spider Man that Brian Michael Bendis did a fantastic job doing it is a younger version of Aunt May and Uncle Ben. So maybe they're going with that more. I feel like the Marvel and the MCU is taking a lot of uh, notes, especially from um, the Ultimate Universe. Well, yeah, like with the Avengers, like Nick Fury wasn't black before the Ultimate. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, he was also black in the Avengers animated movie, so I feel like that might have been consistency for fans' sake. Yeah, and yeah. also just like if you can get, and also if you can get Samuel L. Jackson, why wouldn't you? Well, so, yeah, I think I think thing, that but, was clearly done so that they would get Sam Jackson involved with with yeah. these films. But but yeah. what were you saying? I think it's like um, I also feel like that Marvel is kind of like really investing itself a lot in Brian Michael Bendis's writing because um, they're they did Jessica Jones, which is obviously a Bendis creation, and they're um, probably his most famous uh, character putting, that he's done just by himself. That wasn't based well, on and, a and Miles character. Morales is the other one, well, but yeah, um, well, yeah, that too. And the thing is, like, I feel like Brian Michael Bendis, like Marvel's putting a lot just a lot of stock in Brian Michael Bendis in general because he also wrote Civil War too, and I think they um, like they obviously think that Mar- Brian Michael Bendis is one of the best writers that they have so I think they're using a lot of his uh, story beats and stories because they're um, uh, they enjoy them so much so I think uh, I think it might be just Kevin Feige picking favorites a little bit but I think the, the Ultimate Universe definitely does have its own um, uh, does have a lot of good uh, story in it so I'm not I'm not not all opposed to this but I'm just definitely saying that you can definitely tell that there's a lot of um, like use of Brian Michael Bendis' stories in the MCU and not to go overly comic booky here but uh, since we have a the extra time I want to get into it. Brian Michael Bendis more or less is Marvel's equivalent to what Jeff Johns is over at DC. Like, not everything Brian Michael Bendis has done and Jeff Johns has done is perfect. I think Brian Michael Bendis is much better at writing Iron Man and Spider-Man than he is at writing Daredevil. Like, I'm just, I'm just, this is just my personal opinion. Spider-Man is his best character. But I do think that with Brian, using this Brian Michael Bendis work from the Ultimates, it's probably the best thing to go because it's more up to date with what's going on now in just in just everyday like society rather than like doing more of the Lee, the Stanley, Steve Ditko stuff. Even though a lot of that seems to be in Spider-Man: Homecoming as well. Yeah, it's, I think this is a good synthesis of Spider-Man's character across the entirety of the uh, um, just the entirety of the um, MCU. So I feel like, or the entirety of the Marvel Comics universe. So I feel like they um, are doing a good job here. Yeah, and I, and Kevin Feige said on that podcast that I mentioned, Malton on movies, he said that he didn't grow up reading a lot of Marvel comics. He did, He was more of a DC guy, but he did, like, he did read a lot of the X-Men, like, a lot of the great um, X-Men comic books, but Kevin Feige is nothing but a, if, if nothing else, he's a really good reporter. He, from recommendations he's gotten from other people, he's read through most of the entire catalog of, what, of the movies that he's been adapting, so he knows what what's gonna work and what's gonna not work and as a producer he's al- and he's also he's also like been doing this a long long time so yeah, he knows he, and he's also seen his fair share of like Marvel movies that have gone in the tank so he knows what's good and what's bad and he also has a good log of um, stories in his head so he knows what he's doing I'm pretty sure yeah and I'm not gonna go into great detail about that I'm I'm gonna let him do it but he said in his in his interview his favorite movies of all time were the Star Trek films 
were the Star Wars films, were the Back to the Future films, and the Indiana Jones franchise. Like, yeah. and, 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 and Goonies. So, mm-hmm. right, what, what we mentioned right there is the pantheon of what modern geek culture, this renaissance of geek culture is based on. When you have a guy like that, like, like saying that, saying that he, we want to make this like a 1980s, like John, John Hughes, Robert Zemeckis kind of movie, and, and a Richard Donner 80s movie. Is that a bad way to go? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm just like, uh, really interested because apparently Kevin Feige's contract with Marvel, like the one he currently has ends in 2018 and I really hope he re-signs because... Oh no. Um, oh yeah. Um, Disney like not if, resigns, but like re-signs with them yeah, so that like yeah, he can continue if, doing if his work. Can, I'm just talking to Disney right now. If you can re-up Bob Iger, who definitely deserves it, yeah, you're not letting Kevin Feige go anywhere in terms of like, yeah. Like, yeah, like if, I mean, it seems to me he's not like from what I've heard from him in interviews, Kevin Feige is not a, a money guy. He's not a greedy guy. Like, yeah, and I don't think he's also uh, he doesn't seem to be showing any. He hasn't said anything about feeling any kind of fatigue with Marvel at the moment, so I think he's um, found his happy place right now. Yeah, but you just segued into our last topic for this episode. Um, I wanted You're to welcome. talk... I wanted, thank you. I wanted to talk about um, um, Amy Pascal's comment this week, at, week, this week at CinemaCon when she... I don't, I don't even think she meant it the way she said it, but she said, and I'm paraphrasing, you can look up the actual quote online, she said it was very amazing to her that you see two, two complete different studios collaborating on this one film and after the second home spider-man homecoming trailer she doubts that this will ever happen again and this caused the internet to basically have a coronary and like yeah like act like the sky was falling that donald trump will be forever the president of the united states that dogs and cats will be living together mass hysteria that's a ghostbusters line for those who don't know um what what she what she she meant by that is that she doubts that it will that it will happen again. She didn't say it will never happen again, or that this is the end of Spider-Man in the MCU. Um, yeah. I don't think. Well, well, I just stopped myself there because this is totally something Sony would do. Sony might possibly kill off this version of Spider-Man and continue on from there. But we need to mention this. Amy Pascal said this comment before any of the grosses grosses have come back from Spider-Man Homecoming. We've not seen the critical response of Spider-Man Homecoming yet. Um, and, and I talked with my buddy Sean, who works over at Marvel in New York. I'm not gonna, for, for his privacy, I'm not gonna go into detail about what he does, but he said something very wise to me on Facebook. He says, there's, we should enjoy what we have now. In 2000, in 2012, when the first Avengers came out, we were all wanting Spider-Man to be in there, but we as geeks, and this is something that he didn't say, but we as geeks never thought that Spider-Man would be in the MCU, so the fact that Marvel got him and Sony agreed, that was uh, that was something that we never thought was going to happen, and things change all the time in Hollywood, and better to enjoy what we have now and then worry what we're going to, worry what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, and I think um, uh, I think, it's, I think uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is going to be good, and I think um, we're going to, uh, like Sony, I think Marvel is definitely like growing ever, every day Marvel Marvel is growing its um, power and influence in Hollywood, and I'm pretty sure in time we're going to have 
um, the entire Marvel canon under one roof again. Yeah, X X X Men maybe later than some people thought, but it's gonna happen sooner or later. Yeah, someday. Yeah, I, I'm. I I would just have to agree with Sean. We didn't we didn't think this this was gonna happen before. It, it, it I mean, much like I said a couple of weeks ago about Chris Evans' contract, like uh, like just because his multi year contract is ending, that does not mean that he he will not renegotiate and want to do more if the stories like please him and intrigue him enough to do it. He loves being Captain America. Uh, again, after the gross has come in for Spider Man Homecoming, and I know this this is the big number, but I do I'm not surprised if it's going to make a billion dollars in a, its first couple of weeks. I do not I'm not going to be surprised by that, especially since it seems if you look at one's calendar, if you look this up online, no one seems to be no other studio seems to be going near the July 7th release date of Spider-Man Homecoming with another action film, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no one, no one's even, like, that's just the, that's just like a subliminal message to the people that look into this stuff, but like, we're not, we don't know how much this movie's gonna make, but we know the hype going into this. It's kind of like how the Dark Knight, like, in 2008 when the Dark Knight came out, nobody opposed that, that opening weekend, weekend either, but again, like, we shouldn't worry about anything. I mean, if you only want to do, like, re-upping a contract one once a movie, that happens all the time in entertainment, quite frankly, and we shouldn't worry about anything at this point. We shouldn't speculate yeah. any, about anything, especially about a movie that we never thought was going to happen in 2012, and it's going to happen, and we don't even know if we're even going to like it or not. I'm pretty sure we will, but nothing's set in stone. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, in closing, because, because, and I won't go into too much detail about this because James refuses to see it and I understand why. We got a clip for, um, an upcoming clip for the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It explains a little bit about what's going on with Daisy, um, but it doesn't spoil, t but it doesn't spoil too much. Um, and really all it is is an, an expert excerpt from the episode. So, but it doesn't spoil too much. I thought it was really good. Um, and I don't want to be cynical. I really, I really do hate it when people are cynical on podcasts, but I just have to say this right now. I would be shocked at this point if we had a, um, um, a renewal for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this late in the game. Because I, I would, I, I would be really surprised at this point. I want it to happen, but I'm, as time goes on and we haven't heard anything, I'm really, I'm going to be really surprised if ABC renews Agents of Shield the Slate. What are your thoughts about that, Jane? Um, I'm just, I know that Jed and Marissa are like plotting out season five, so that gives me, um, uh, definite like hope that like if they, if they're plotting it out, they obviously like think that the work is going to like hopefully pay off. So I mean, they, um, obviously have an idea of where they want to go and then just, uh, yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised honestly if they just like, um, if, uh, Mar if ABC waits to the last minute to like say whether or not, and also I feel like they're probably waiting to see like what the last bit of the season, um, does because like I know that the episode right before the last episode of LMD got a lot of um notice so I'm I think they're waiting to see like what happens with this last bit just to see like how people respond to it and see if they um if it's gonna if like there's gonna be a bring it's gonna bring the audience back so yeah but I'm I'm just saying usually speak
speaking, we get renewal news in January, February, and sometimes early March, but usually not the, the slaying the game. And if, if, and I'm just saying, I'm just spitballing for argument's sake. If we're only, if Jed and Marissa are only planning to do one more season of AOS. Well, like, I'm not saying they're not, that's the only thing they don't plan to do only one more and just saying no, that they no, no, are no, no, plotting. No, 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 I'm not saying you were. I'm just saying if they're only planning to do one more season, for goodness sake, Hulu, just pick up the, se- the series for one season. Like, really, is it, I mean, I mean, for goodness sake, if you're gonna, if Hulu is going to pick up the mini project in Nashville, I, I, I mean, and AOS is not as effects heavy as it used to be. Like, just pick it up for one season, then just give it a proper send-off. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if, if ABC doesn't cancel the show. And I'm, and let me reiterate one more time before we go to our pre-recorded closing. I want Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to get renewed. I, I would just be very shocked if, if it was at this point late in the game. But with that said, let's roll that pre-recorded closing. Get at our Across the Airways podcast. Get at our website. AcrossTheAirways.com. Get at AcrossTheAirways.com. You can check out all of our podcast shows. Get available as their own. Get individual programs. Get the iTunes Store. Get Google Play Store. Guys, for the podcast shows, Cut our network. We have the DC Nation podcast. Located at DCNation.AcrossTheAirways.com. Get that's DCNation.AcrossTheAirways.com. Which reviews popular DC comic-related TV shows. Get movies. There's also the Marvelverse podcast. Located at Marvel. Marvelversepodcast.acrossyearways.com which reviews Marvel comic related TV shows and movies. And we also have Throatscast, our podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes on HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website Throatscast.acrossyearways.com Again, that's Throatscast.acrossyearways.com In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airways podcast, which is accessible at acrossyearways.com which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes, core Game of Thrones, like The Walking Dead, Doctor Who, Star Wars Rebels, Supernatural and more, including sitcoms such as The Big Bang Theory and The Muppets. Also, you can listen to Across the Airways, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, the Native Road podcast, and the Marvelverse podcast, got the mixed radio station, code by Jack Douglas, Stitcher Radio, or if you use Apple devices, download the podcast podcast. And if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our app from the Amazon Marketplace, and the Windows Marketplace, and a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Because for how you can contact us to give your own listeners feedback on the TV shows we review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening to you, or just want to say, if you like what we're doing, email us at acrosstheairways at gmail.com. Again, that's acrosstheairways at gmail.com. Comments on our Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at acrosstheairways. There's no vibe. It's just acrosstheairways. Join our circle at Google Plus or leave us a voicemail by calling 773-809-336. Again, it's 773-809-336. Also, when sending us an email, please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Get the subject line. Give you our sending us Christopher feedback you want to on the air. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies, Get television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels for past Comic-Con, and it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic-Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our Comic-Con special. Okay, um, th- that's all. I mean, I mean, unless in the next five minutes, I'm appealing to the Marvel gods again, because for those of you who listened to the Marvel podcast, Marvelverse podcast, last week, I, I have joked to the Marvel gods that we weren't going to do an episode this week unless they release the Thor Ragnarok and or Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. So I'm just saying, if if for some reason the Marvel gods want to drop a Thor Ragnarok trailer in the next couple days, we won't be back until Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comes back th- this coming Tuesday at the time of recording. We're recording on April 2nd. As James said, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming back April 4th. 
Um, is there anything else? No, but I mean, we are going to definitely come back this next week just because, like, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. can be back, so. Yeah, and I, and once again, I appeal to the Marvel gods. If you want to drop I, a Thor Ragnarok trailer. I think Thor Ragnarok's going to come out with, um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Like, that just makes the most sense to me. I'm just saying, if you want to drop a Thor Ragnarok trailer, I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain. I really wouldn't. <laughs> come on. Come on, fighting con. Oh, no, but no, seriously, on behalf of our fellow ATA hosts, Michael J. Petty, Nico Reifstick, Steve Nostro, our fearless leader, Nikki Amy, my name is Wes Kim. I'm James Hayful. <laughs> and we will see you when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns Tuesday, April the 4th, 10 p.m. on ABC. Much love to our podcast brother, the late Dan Schmidt, and Excelsior.